Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to the doctor in the house. I'm Scott Thompson, your host, Senior Vice President of Global Development for Tutor Doctor. Theo, how are you? My co-host. I'm doing great. It's a lovely day here. How are yeah, you? I'm doing well, thanks. We have a really uh, excellent guest today, someone that I've known for many years in franchising. i uh, got a great deal of respect for her. She, Her name is uh, Leslie Cuban. She's a franchise consultant. Some of you may or may not know what a franchise consultant is, but they're out there and there's really good ones, and she's one of them. Uh, they help you uh, decide on which is the best business for your goals, your, your, your lifestyle, and your income uh, levels. Um, she's actually a franchisee herself with FranNet of Atlanta. And so, Leslie, how are you? Hi. Good morning, Scott. Nice I'm to have very happy to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Thanks for, for taking the time. I know you're super busy, so we appreciate it. Absolutely. So, Today's theme is, you know, overcoming your fear and normalizing that fear. And um, I think Leslie's got a tremendous amount of experience with helping clients overcome, you know, that fear. Everyone has it. It's just some can pull the trigger and some can't. And I think what, what we'll talk about today and, you know, what I'd like for Leslie to do first is maybe just walk us through your career and then talk about some inflection points that you can remember uh, where you had to overcome that fear and normalize it for yourself. Sure. No, I'd, I'd be happy to. Um, well, well, for starters, I have to give a lot of credit to my father. He is the one who started the, the franchising path in our family. Um, but he started in the corporate world, like many of our clients, was doing well and advancing. He worked at 3M in St. Paul, Minnesota, and then his division was merged into another. And he would have he could have gone along, but that would be starting all over again. So he was searching for, you know, what could he do on his own? And he recognized that he's not an entrepreneur in the sense of having his own idea that he wanted to go out and create a company around. And he also had a family to support, so not in a position to take a huge financial risk. So like a lot of folks, franchising was his answer to get into his own business and uh, succeed and, and create a lifestyle and income for our family. And over the years, uh, our family was involved in a variety of franchise brands, and I grew up in that environment, working in a lot of those businesses. And then he helped me into my first franchise when I was straight out of college. Uh, I became an owner-operator of a mailboxes, et cetera, and I was scared to death, um, you know, having no business experience, you know, really, uh, to, to speak of. And I probably would not have been successful if that was my own you know, independent endeavor. But I had the franchisor behind me. I called them every single day, multiple times a day for help. And I was successful. And that led into the consulting path. And my dad and I together joined the FranNet organization in 1999. And, and this February will be our 20-year anniversary Yikes. in business. Amazing. Really excited That's about crazy. that. Wow. Congratulations. 20 yeah. years. Yes. It's gone by very quickly. It's, it's a really, really rewarding and enjoyable line of work to be in and, and how we work with people and help them. Um, yeah. And, and as a you know, franchisee and small business owner myself, I've had numerous points of fear all along the way. Um, every time I was, I've been at a place where it's time to you know, grow my business. It's kind of like you really you're going to stay in the same place or you need to grow. And, and you really come to the realization that staying in the same place really wouldn't be a good decision. It, it's just time to grow. And that's hiring new people, 
um, taking on a costly marketing initiative that you don't know it's going to work out until you're on the other side of it. But um, it's something I see in my work with people all the time that that stepping into something that's a little unfamiliar and you don't exactly know what the outcome is going to be is, is naturally fearful. And so I think something that I've walked myself and, and something I encourage others to, to realize is that the fact that, that we're feeling fear about doing something that's in some ways new to us, it doesn't mean it's a red flag. It just means that we're in a point of growing beyond our current limitations. So it's a signpost that we're growing and that we're expanding and stepping into something new. And oftentimes there's something really cool and wonderful on the other side of that decision, even when we're feeling fearful about it. So it's normal. Yeah. It's like jumping off the cliff, right? Like just, just being, you know, and just free falling and well, not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. Yes and no. I, I think there's a whole lot to be said for due diligence. Um, you know, I, I, in a lot of these decisions, I've done a lot of homework and, and that's something that people can do and should be doing as they're exploring businesses and franchise opportunities. And if they're doing it correctly, it's not like it's walking into some absolutely unknown thing where you, we have no clue. I mean, there should be a reasonable expectation of what that's going to look like if we've done our due diligence and, and done it well. But still, it's not a crystal ball. Like we're never going to exactly know how it's going to pan out. Um, but with proper due diligence, there should be some minor adjusting along the way, and not just a complete, absolutely not knowing what we're getting into. So I think there's a bit of a difference on that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so when you have the fear, like talk about some of the feelings that you go through, and then. What do you recommend your clients do from a process standpoint to get gain the truth? Because, you know, like, as you said, you can do this due diligence as you're looking at buying a franchise and there's ways to do it to, you know, get the facts. Right. Because if you don't have the facts or if you do have the facts, for that matter, it allows for you to make a more calculated risk. And, and hopefully that fear gets normalized or. You know, puts put you put it right. behind it, you. It, it, it's a calculated risk, not it's not gambling, and just throwing it all to the wind and, and seeing what happens. So, yeah. So, so you know, the emotions. I I think what if I can boil it down to to what it really comes down to. People is, is there what they're afraid of is that they're going to fail, and you know they're afraid that they're going to be embarrassed. They're they're afraid that they're going to you know lose a lot of money and that their family is going to leave them and that it, it would just be a horrible, regrettable thing. I, I think th their fear of failure is really what the fear is about. And I, I think a way to think about that is just accept that in learning something new and starting a business, you know, we're all going to make some mistakes. So it, in one sense, we're going to have some failures. We shouldn't have catastrophic failures, but yeah, there's going to be a learning curve along the way. We're, we're not going to do it perfectly right away. I heard somebody say once that anything worth doing well is at first worth doing not so well to learn it. And people are going to make yeah. hiring mistakes. They're going to make some marketing mistakes. And some of those mistakes are going to have some dollars attached to it. So I think just you know, accepting that there's going to be some minor failures kind of takes the edge off that a little bit and not expecting that you're going to be perfect at it right away. 
Right. And I think, I think another thing to accept is that nobody walks into starting a business having all the skills that they're going to need to have. Um, no, nobody does. There is an acceptance of, you know, I'm going to need to learn some things along the way. Like when, when I, you know, I'm a natural marketer consultant, you know, the, the numbers side of things and financial statements and all of that stuff, that, that, was, that is not my kind of natural innate skill set. And it's something that I've, I've learned and, and now it's second nature. You know, I don't really have a, a what you would call a management background. So learning to be a, a leader of, of a team was something that I've had to learn along the way. So I, I think a strategy to to minimize failure and, and, and therefore the fear of it is when people really focus their efforts on finding business opportunities where, where they know they're going to be able to leverage the skills that they know that they have. Um, I know I'm a good leader or I know I'm a good project manager. And so part of it is the, is the business selection in the first place. So yes, we're all going to learn some new skills, but we're going to walk into something where a, a key skill of success is something that I already have. No, that's, that's, those are some amazing tidbits that I think people can walk away from, from this call. So, you know, just to reiterate, you, you know, leveraging your transferable skills and aligning with the right business opportunity that's going to, you know, you know, enhance those the skills that you have. And then also uh, knowing that when you go into a business, you're going to make mistakes. And, it, and, and you know, there's some, like you said, some of those mistakes will have dollars associated with them. But if you know going ahead and go, as you're going into it, if that's the case, the, the fear is diminished to, to some extent. Uh, it's still always going to be there, but it, 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 like you said, it's normalized. Um, well, I think one, what, what are some of the things that you do with your clients that really helps them gain clarity on, on those pieces of the puzzle? Because obviously when they're looking to buy a business, there's some lifestyle goals they have. There's some, you know, like you said, there's fears, there's transferable skills. How do you walk clients through to get to that point of clarity? And and you had asked a little bit ago about about some steps in a process, and 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 that and that yes. is very much there for people. And some of the things that I like to see my clients do is is discuss all of these things, including the hesitations and the fears, with other people who are already on the other side of making the choice of getting into business. It, it can be franchisees. It can be other entrepreneurs. I mean, there's so many sources out there for people to gain some insights. And I think people are sometimes pleasantly surprised at how generous and open and, and, and helpful franchise owners and, and business owners are in, in talking about um, their challenges and, and what they would do differently and, and what they like about their business. And I think that's a a key question that I'm encouraging people I'm working with to, to put on the table and ask is like, you know, I'm thinking about getting into this business, into this franchise. I, th I think it could be a good opportunity for me and, and my family, but you know, it's new and I'm, I'm fearful of this. You know, how, how did you, you know, did you feel that way? You know, how did you work through that? How, how did your spouse and family, you know, work through that? How did you step just take that final step into, even though you were afraid, we're able to move forward and, and be happy with that decision. And I think most people are going to really be empathetic and you know, they were in 
in those shoes at one time themselves and, and soliciting help from others. So, you know, there is no crystal ball, but I think this is one of the closest things we have to it is, is the ability to lean into other people who were at some point in time on the same journey in the same spot, feeling those same anxieties and, and getting advice and input and counsel on how they were able to deal with it. That can help tremendously. Yeah. And another key Definitely. is, um, and I, I touched on this a minute ago, but you know, most people, they have, if they have a family, they have a spouse, you know, they've got to be a part of this too. Um, and the more they're involved in having these conversations and, and being a part of their consideration and due diligence process, uh, the more supportive they can be of a person who uh, is going to be getting into business. So, um, you know, a, a person's family, if, if they're not involved or don't understand, you know, what we're doing here, um, their fear is going to be even greater. So including them in the process is a key, a key step to success as well. And you, you, you're talking about the sp your spouse, correct? Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 100% couldn't agree with you more that if um, you have a significant other or someone that's financially involved with you, that they should go through the same due diligence, uh, because, you know, when you get to the end and the decision needs to be made, you know, if they haven't been involved in that process, they might be planting seeds in your mind that may not be truthful and cause you to have that anxiety again and that fear come to come back. So no, those are great pointers. Um, you know, Leslie, as, as we, as you think about some candidates that you've worked with in the past, are there any odd things that have come up that, uh, you know, our audience or can maybe gain from if they, you know, whether it was fear or just strange things they went through in their due diligence that came up that they had to overcome. I'm always curious as to, cause you, you talk to so many people. Yeah. I think, um, you know, something that in retrospect, it's really not, I, I guess it's not surprising, but I, I've seen some clients where they start to get pushback from some odd places. Um, you know, they're, they're talking to their family, they're talking to their friends, their neighbors, their, their, their coworkers about this business they're thinking of starting or, or, or getting into. And they start, I, I've had some folks get some really weird, negative um, discouragement from these sources. I, I've seen some old sibling rivalries seem to come up. And, and I think my guess is where that's coming from is you know, people around us are used to knowing us in a certain way. Um, they're used to interacting with us in a certain way. And, you know, when we're making a change in our life and, you know, starting a business is, you know, can be a, a, a big thing. It's not going out and buying a new microwave. I mean, it's a big thing. So people around us, if they're seeing us change, the way they're going to know us might change somehow that can be threatening to them. So particularly any kind of weird family dynamics that still might be kind of under the surface can sometimes be, re be resurfaced when people are looking at, at stepping out and doing something cool for themselves. So that, that's, that was, that's been a little strange, but I guess maybe not in retrospect. <laughs> well, it's, it, you know, it, you know, for you and I it might be something that's you, you would expect to come up. I think, I think when people also go through, buying a business and doing the due diligence, um, you know, you, 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 all of these 
things that may, you know, in the past that you like with your spouse or significant other that you put underneath the rug, if you will, um, can resurface, right? Do you remember that time when, you know, you, you tried that thing where you, you know, put $10,000 of my money out there and it didn't work, you know, those right. types of, uh, of, uh, um, past things and experiences that you've gone through can certainly come up and they need to be addressed. If they're not addressed, we've seen it end terribly for people where, you know, whether their relationship goes away or, you know, it causes the business to be, go bankrupt. I mean, there's so many things that you have to consider before you're not, not to put more fear into people's minds, but just things to consider as you're going through this uh, process of buying a business. What are some other things that you recommend folks you know, do for themselves prior to going on, like the last podcast we had, they were pretty, you know, adamant about clients going out and, you know, actually figuring out how much, look at your asset portfolio, your liabilities, what, what, you know, what you have and, and what's available to you to actually go out and, and buy a business. So start with the, the funding first. And then that determines kind of like when you go buy a house, right? You get pre-approval similar to buying a business, mm -hmm. same deal. What else do you recommend clients do or uh, as they're trying to look for that first business or maybe even multiple businesses for themselves? Yeah, and, and kind of sticking to the to the theme of, you know, how, how do we deal with the natural fear that is involved in, in that journey? I think some things that are helpful for people to do is to um, is to not isolate themselves, you know, there are so many fantastic um, business, we'll call them support groups out there. I, I'm a member of two women presidents organization and entrepreneurs organization. And I'm involved. I have a forum um, that I'm a member of that I'm getting together on a regular basis with other business owners and in a completely, you know, secure and transparent and confidential environment, we can talk about the things, our successes, what we're working on, uh, the things that are, big challenges that we're, we're dealing with. So I, I think having support around oneself um, from other people going through the same experiences that we are, and, and there's so many opportunities for that. So I think starting to identify, you know, where can I have some other support circles around me? I think, um, you know, being a successful business owner it, it requires, you know, a level of self-confidence. Um, I, I would say that's a key you know, characteristic of people who succeed in franchises or entrepreneurial endeavors. A little bit of swagger, is that what you're saying? <laughs> a, a, a little bit, but, you know, a lot of people, you know, find themselves in um, looking at entrepreneurship, you know, a, a, after they're coming out of maybe a reduction in force or, or, or a layoff, and, and, that, and that can rattle somebody's self-confidence. So, you know, I think... Um, we need to remind ourselves and have friends and family around us who will remind us of our successes because mm -hmm. we've all had those. We've, we've all had big wins. And so somehow, some way I'm um, having a go-to um, skill or, or hobby or, or something where, you know, we know we're successful and, and it's a quick and immediate confidence booster is I think something to good. So if you're good at playing the guitar, you, you whip out that guitar and, pl and jam out for an hour. Or if you're good at basketball, you go run, exactly. you, know, you go play basketball and win a game. Or if you like to run five miles, you go run five miles. Yeah. But you get a, but yeah. Exactly. 
it can be it can right. be a hundred different things and and but but having that go-to and having people around us who remind us of our wins and our successes it is a great way to kind of put our mindsets you know back on that path of self-confidence that we need to have just to add to that i you know i have a brag book one of the things that i recommend people do is throughout your career save those things that made you feel well right whether it was a recognition at work whether it was something you did in the community uh maybe it was a race you won whatever it was save those things that you feel boost that self-confidence the other thing i always recommend people to do to kind of boost that self-confidence is um have a have a journal take five minutes a day just you know make sure you remind yourself of why you did this right have your goals in front of you and then just write some affirmations of, of you know that kind of make sure you get your mind right so when you go to work in your business or work with your staff or you know get out in the community that you've got some you know some things that you know of, of, you know, reminding yourself of, of the why and you have those positive reinforcement things that, you know, boost that self-confidence. Exactly. You know, and, and we've, that's, that's not new news. We've all heard that before, but it really works. <laughs> it does work. I, I have to say it. It's, uh, you know, Tony Robbins has his personal power. He talked about it, you know, 15 years ago and it's still valuable today. It's, it's one of those things that, but it's, you know, people just, you know, it's not in their routine, right? They're, it's odd for them maybe the first few times they do it. It's similar to going to work out for the first time and lift weights. It's You're not going to push the weight their normal. Your form's not going to be correct. There's going to be things that you need to adjust. Same thing when you do write a journal for the first time. You might not know what your thoughts are, and it might take you some time to, to write those down. And that's why I love what Leslie said. Find somebody that's already doing it, that's already successful, and get a mentor. Mentors are great. They'll help you make, you know, They'll, they'll tell you what to write in the journal. They'll help you decide what, what, what you should do from a daily activity standpoint. So, and, and on the subject of a mentor, I think something that people are commonly fearful of, they're fearful of asking. They're afraid, you know, yes. I, you know they're busy. I don't, don't want to look stupid. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. look stupid. I don't want to waste their time. But I, I think the sooner we can get over that, the better off we are because 99% of people out there are delighted to help. It, it makes their day. They go to bed feeling like a better person because they spent some time helping somebody else learn to be more successful and overcome their fears. hundred percent. That's why we're doing this podcast today, right? Uh, great way to start my day. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. What are the last little pieces should we let the audience walk away with? You know, I've taken some of your time today and, you know, what, what else should you share with them? Yeah, I, I think um, so. So a little little hack that has helped me when I've been in, you know, kind of at, at the crossroads of, of having a choice ahead of me and, and I'm feeling fearful about it. Um, and I've had, like I mentioned, several of those where I've, you know, I, I, for me, a long time, it was me and my dad and that was it in our business. And now it's time for us to grow and I've got to hire some people. And, you know, now I'm going to have this, this payroll overhead that I've never had before. And it's like, wow, I've, you know, I'm, I'm adding these commitments and I was, I was afraid of that. Um, but, but somebody told me once, and this has really helped me at those inflection points or, or crossroads is kind of put myself in the decision. Like I've already made the decision. I'm going to do this. I'm going to move forward by hiring this team of people or, and, and then notice how I feel. Um, 
do I feel relieved? Do I feel massive anxiety? You know, I, I really putting myself in, I'm on the other side of this decision and, and how is it sitting with me? And then I do the opposite. I put myself in the place of, I've made the alter- alternate decision. I'm not moving forward. I'm not doing this. And if I feel this sinking in my gut of, you know, I'm just going to regret not making that decision, I then have my answer mm-hmm. by actually putting myself in the emotions of what it feels like to have, have made a decision one way or the other. That, that's tend to help me quite a bit. Yeah. Because we all don't want to live with regrets, right? Most people, like when you, you know, I guess if you talk to a 90 year old who's, you know, lived a full life and you ask them, you know, what, what, what they wish they did differently. And it's usually the things that they remember most is is the things they didn't do, the the regrets they have. And, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, live with abundance, live, you know, can't have wings and roots. My wife told me that when she was just my girlfriend 15 years ago. And that's why I live here in Atlanta and I'm originally from Boston. So, um, I always, I, I, I highly recommend that people, take that chance and, and, and live their dreams. And it's so much more fulfilling when you do that. I couldn't agree more. So, well, Leslie, it's been a real pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to share some nuggets with the, the audience today. And um, obviously you have a wealth of knowledge and experience and you work with clients every day in this world. So I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Great to talk to you, Scott. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Until next time, uh, folks, this is Tudor Doctor in the house. I'm Scott Thompson, Senior Vice President of Tudor Doctor. And I've got Theo. Thanks so much for being my co-host. And uh, until next time. It was fun as usual. Bye, everyone.